0: Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, a sixth event podcast, video event one-shots, and an additional video D&D campaign. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows and vote on the way their stories will progress. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdum dice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories.
1: I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dumb Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Dice. Get your merchandise today.
2: Welcome back, initiates, to the Mythos Mysteries, a live-play Pulp Cthulhu podcast where improvisers and comedians venture into dangers beyond their wildest imaginings. I am H.P. Helmfirth, your host on this journey into darkness. Having escaped their meeting with the Mayor's team, the Mystery Punchers have a new mystery to punch. Red recognized the Mayor's Mafia allies as a threat. Richter realized there are cult dealings going on and that the Mayor might be a golem. And Adrian became confused and went into the Mayor's house alone with Mrs. Tallahassee Jackson. So venture forth with us, dear friends, into the mythos.
3: So, Red, you've sprinted across a lawn <clears throat> chasing Addy, who is thrilled about the prospect of a birthday party at TJ's house. Um, and uh, only to have him uh, be greeted by um, a, a woman at the door. Um, but uh, as you, you sprint up um, to, to catch up to him, uh, he's led inside, the door slams, and you hear four separate locks go sort of like one after another. Um, and, uh, sure enough, trying to handle the door is firmly secured. Behind you, um, old man Richter pulls up in the car, gets out and starts making his way up the walk to join you.
4: So he's just going to see me start to, like, fist the door, uh, yelling for Addie. Um, do I hear anything?
3: Uh, you don't. Like, okay. literally nothing. Aside okay. from your own voice and your, your hand reverberating.
4: Okay, then my next point of order is I am running to the back of the house because in my mind, I, like, if she's locking all the doors, she might not have a time to get there. So I'm sprinting to the back of the house, and I will break it down if I have to.
3: Uh, Richter, you see Red pounding on the door. What do you do? Uh, I assume... Well, I hear her
5: also shouting for um, Addie, so the assumption is that he's inside. Um, and then she runs, do, you, uh, like she heard the locks. Do I see locks on the outside? No, no. Okay.
3: There's like one <clears throat> standard lock. Yeah. Above like the, a, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah.
5: So I guess when she runs around, I'll just walk up to the front door and ring the doorbell, <laughs> see what happens.
3: Um, so, uh, you ring the doorbell and you don't hear anything um also you're you're a little bit surprised there there seems to be a light behind the doorbell um and as you push it the light goes out and then comes back on it's fairly common in modern society but in 1932 it's a it's just an odd an oddity Mm -hmm. then again you have uh an owl for a small looking glass on your thing so you know uh different strokes uh etc etc um Uh, red you go um sprinting um around uh, the back of the house and um you arrive um like you know you kind of have to like run through a door kind of into the backyard it's a beautifully manicured Mm -hmm. backyard um it's got like croquet things set up again like big beautiful trees there's like an old tire swing hanging from one of them Um, and, uh, you sprint around, um, and you see a, um, just sort of a, 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 a big double set of glass doors. Um, so sort of like, obviously with a frame, um, but glass, uh, much fancier than, than I think what you, you're used to seeing. Um, you rush up and, um, looking in, um, they're both locked as well. Mm -hmm. Um, looking inside, um, you can't see... Adrian, but you do see um, the woman walk by, um, sort of out of what would you could assume would be like a sitting room.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, she just kind of crosses the hallway.
4: I'm going to pound on the glass doors.
3: Um, the glass is remarkably firm.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to get her attention. I'm not trying. She to break doesn't seem right to
3: now. notice at all. It's as though she can't hear anything.
4: Uh, I'm going to pick up one of the mallets and try to break the glass.
3: Cool um so you um rush and grab a mallet um meanwhile um richter um you're ringing the doorbell and there's still no response are there any open windows uh no all the windows have curtains drawn um
5: i don't think it's occurred to Richter, just how dire and serious the situation is. If Addie mm. got invited in, he's probably thinking like, okay, so that's fine. Um, Red pounding on the door and running around the back. He doesn't know that she's like wailing on a window right now
3: either. Um, you also like, as someone who doesn't necessarily grasp social cues, I don't know if Richter has like a, this is how long an unreasonable amount of time is for someone <laughs> yeah, to answer a yeah. door yeah Um, so if your if your response is actually just to wait that's also totally fair i think he's just gonna wait and just try the doorbell a
5: few times and like also just for the novelty of the doorbell like keep pressing the button kind of thing like it's
3: fascinating it lights up that's really something okay cool um red you come running mallet overhead um full on uh at the 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 glass door um you swing it with all of your might uh can you please roll me a strength check
4: Yes, I can. Oh no! Uh, I got a ten and a zero. Is that ten?
5: That is ten. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Got zero, zero, and a zero. I believe that's a hundred. Yep.
4: Got it. Uh, okay, so that means uh, ten is my ten is one of my numbers. Do I have to beat it, or can equaling it
3: equal counts as a success? It has to equal or lower.
4: Awesome. Then I got an extreme success.
3: Nice. So you swing um, with all of your might um, and also just, I think, with with just a bit of uncertainty. Um, Adrian, getting away like this isn't great, also given how much he's been talking about murder lately. Uh, (laughs) Yup. So you swing the mallet um, with all of your might. Um, And, you know, there there are times uh, baseball players talk about this um, where, you know, you're just swinging for a pitch and you're like oh, this is a home run. Like, and it's it's that kind of vibe. You're just like, you've broken through enough things in your day. Yeah. Um, and with an extreme success, you swing the mallet um, and in horror, watch it explode against the glass into um, splinters. So, um, Richter, the door is answered uh, by Adrian. And Adrian, you've got a big smile on your face. And you know what? You're pretty excited to to get to vote for TJ. You had some cake. She made a very convincing argument. And you you, you think he's the right guy for the job.
6: He's going to be great. Hey, the party was okay, but the guy seems pretty nice. Oh, is the mayor here? No just his wife, but she is a lovely person.
5: I see. Um, I believe Red is looking for you. She went around the back of the house. We should we should go get her. Well, um, I mean,
6: do, do you want to meet the mayor's wife? She has cake.
5: Sure, yeah, yeah. If she went around to the back, maybe we can let her in through the back door, yeah?
6: I mean, we gotta ask the mayor's wife, but I think that's a pretty reasonable idea.
3: Yeah,
7: Uh, And then I'll, I'll whistle for, for senior ice cream so he can
3: come join us. Um, Senior ice cream um, comes uh, sort of bounding up the walk. um, And as soon as he gets near the, uh, the house, um, his nose gets low and he, he starts um, sniffing around. Um, And uh, suddenly um, Tanya Tate is there and um, she says, Oh, sorry no pets allowed i'm afraid my husband is very allergic but please come in sir have some cake um and richter as you step in uh the door closes behind you red you can see adrian welcome um richter in um and uh you see tanya kind of step back out to introduce him in and then she kind of turns looks back through the glass at you smiles snaps her finger and blinds slide across and
4: close oh that bitch okay <laughs> uh, it's going down um uh she's going to spend a couple more seconds just pounding on that pounding on the window just being like let me in and then when obviously that's not working. Um, so, ooh. ooh. Um Do I see any other way in this house?
3: So there are the windows that have blinds. Um, there's these glass doors. Um, there's the front door. Um, there are windows on the second story as well. Um, there's probably a garage.
4: A garage? And uh, a, likely
3: at, at this time a chimney.
4: Uh, okay, can I... Hmm, I'm honestly contemplating just driving the goddamn car into the house. That's um, what I was
3: hoping you would say. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
3: I mean, when is, in Helmfirth, am I right?
4: Is the garage door open?
3: It is not. It will not surprise you to know that as many things that could be closed on this place can be closed are closed.
4: Right. I am going to drive the car into the garage <laughs> into the garage door.
3: So just going full Simpson's opening yes. credits.
4: I am not a magically inclined person. I If I cannot enter the magical house by physical bodily force, I'm going to drive a goddamn car into this the garage force.
7: Go
3: yes. ahead and roll me a
7: drive auto, please. Vehicular oh. ga- garage slaughter is what's going on right now. G T oh,
3: no. G-, G grand Theft <laughs> Garage. Um, what
4: are you talking about? It's a car
3: hole. That's right.
4: Um that is a 37, which is a fail. hmm hmm
3: mm-hmm. Um So, um Red, you find <laughs> Florida- a different uh, <laughs> you um, you normally let Adrian do the driving for exactly this. Uh, you, you're comfortable driving a car, um, but there's just something about the uh, the prospect of of getting into an accident. So I was bummed you out a little bit. Um, but you know, desperate times, you floor it. You drive straight at the garage. Um, and as you hit the garage door, you feel the entire front of the car crumple. Mm. You're thrown through the windshield. Uh, you impact the garage face first. And you oh. black out.
6: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs>
5: Well, not right now, but, you know.
4: <laughs> I guess I should have specified I put on my seatbelt, huh?
3: It's like 32. I don't think they even had them.
4: That's fair.
3: Oh, fuck. Weirdly, this is what caused the seatbelts to start. Yeah. <laughs> they were called red belts for the first two years. That's yeah, well. but then they, people just thought it was a murder joke, so they had to yeah. change it. Um. Red, um, when you're unconscious, um, you find yourself in kind of a a dark void, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, Luckily, you're not in as much pain as you assumed you'd be, uh, because you seem to have a a very sharp recollection of uh, glass and a face uh, at some point. and then, uh, you hear, uh, just sort of some, uh, echoing laughter and, um, and then a smell hits you and it's just a, a rank smell of, of, um, methane and refuse. And in a way it's a very familiar smell. And as you begin to kind of stagger forward, uh, you turn a corner into the sewer and you recognize, uh, your old hideout. And um, this is around the time that your brain starts to first piece together that you're probably unconscious. Um, yeah. But at the same time, after all the, the fucking weirdness of late, um, it's kind of nice to be back in familiar environs. Um, Addie, back when you guys were running, and forgive me, shoestring or shoelace? I keep calling it shoelace. We were the shoelaces. Thank notes, God. God. Yes. <laughs> On break, I was like, son of a bitch, McGee. Um, so you're back in your old hideout. um as you'll recall you kind of made your hideout near the service entrance to um like a disused service entrance so that you weren't like literally in the shit um but you can see kind of the the whole gang sneaking around adrian what, what do you think your your regular routine was sort of back in the day and who was your favorite member of the gang other than red
7: i like pepe because he pee-peed on his vest, so he was, like, the most committed. Because I yep. feel like I went out on a limb to try to get Pepe into the gang and read – I mean, to use some outside of Adrian vision was probably, like – this guy's a loser. <laughs> and he, he's like probably he couldn't like, hack it in his other gang. Honestly, yeah. I feel like he was probably like to use the Simpsons reference. He was the Gil of all of the other gangs. Oh. yeah. So yeah. you
3: know,
7: Adrian. Just <laughs> I brought liked this him.
3: sewer from home.
7: Yeah, Adrian liked him because he thought he was really funny, and yeah. probably thought he was brave, <laughs> even though he very visibly would not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Gil got into the gang, which was good, and I feel like Gil would have pepe uh would have been the probably the guy to do the cooking not that it would be good but i feel like we would have had like a little kitchen over a fire kind of thing i feel like a lot of the day would probably be there was like a desk and red would have to do like math and plan routes and organize things and adrian just had like a broken down but pretty comfortable chair that he would just sit in next to that desk while work was happening like watching everybody else to make sure like nobody stole shit out of the supplies or whatever. So I'm imagining
3: this is like a, a like a, a, a classic sort of sitting room, four-legged, but like almost like a wing-backed... Like th- this would be right at home in like, uh, you know valjean's rich house in know, like fa- fancy ass old chair that for some reason you've come into possession of yeah i was gonna say days. yeah that's been fished out of a dumpster
7: and carried it to the yeah, yeah 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 so like
3: it's it's all slashed up and like someone's clearly defecated on it at some point but it's been mostly cleaned up and like yeah he's washed it off i mean adrian
7: fixes his own clothes so there's a bunch of weird patches sewn onto mm-hmm, it
3: mm-hmm. okay great.
7: uh and then probably around it was like warehouse storage of like rum and other cases that would get carried out to like cars Okay, yeah. the average day would be like sitting there and then going out with Red for errands, so then coming back and sitting in the chair and
3: eating food made by Pepe. Amazing. Um, okay, cool. And um, Red,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, obviously we've got um, Pepe, who's the chef. Uh, you've got Adrian, who's the muscle, and I think the driver. Yep. Um, uh, who are your other three favorite gang members?
4: Okay. Uh... I would say, I would say Lewis is, uh, someone who is more of like my go-between. Like, he's, he's a little bit, like, I like to think that Lewis used to be like a financier. Mm, hmm Uh, like a disgraced financier kind of cool. thing.
3: Yeah, 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 love it.
4: Who, who knows the good places to hit. He's been fired from all of them. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's Lewis, uh, let's say there's, um, there's Cheryl. Cheryl is a little nuts. (laughs) Uh, and she's kind of like, if I, um, she's the person that I send out. If I really want to intimidate someone (laughs) like, yeah. Like, really make an impression. Yeah, so Cheryl's
3: like, I show up at a bar, I threaten you, and then I break a bottle over my head? Yeah. Yeah, okay, great. (laughs)
4: Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and... uh, hmm. And then we have... We'll call him... Nuts and Bolts. That's his name. And... He's kind of like... He's the bruiser. I I don't care about as much. <clears throat> like you know what I mean. Like kind he's, of kind
3: of. He if Adrian's like the boss fight, like nuts and bolts is like the halfway through the level, knock your health down a little bit. Mega Man has to learn some things, boss. Yeah. Hmm.
4: Yeah, he's he's like yeah, he's not uh, he's not the brightest, but he really likes fighting, and I kind of just go there.
3: So I assume if we're kind of going by the standard tropes, he's also likely the one who, if anyone's going to betray you, it would be nuts and bolts. Like, he's the one who's like, I don't know if we should trust Red's leadership. And you're like, go fucking fight someone, nuts and bolts. Or is he fully on side? Just try to get a flavor of your gang.
4: Yeah. Um, hmm. I feel like, no, I feel like if anybody were to betray me, it would be Lewis. Okay. I feel like if Lewis got like a really better offer, Mm -hmm. he would go with them.
3: Okay. Would you also say then based on kind of the descriptions you've given that despite the odds of Lewis kind of going rogue, he's likely in a way your right-hand man, given that Adrian is like literally your right-hand man, but he also can't really talk the business with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, How do you describe your relationship with Lewis?
4: I think, ooh, I think we get along uh, with a certain mutual understanding that uh, if either of us tried to fuck the other person over, it would go very badly for both of us.
3: <clears throat> so it's a proper honor amongst thieves. Mutual assured destruction. Yep. Okay. Wicked. Um, so from a Hollywood casting perspective, Ryan, um, who's playing Pepe? Oh, um, Luis Guzman. Amazing, uh, Claire. Um, who do you imagine Lewis as?
4: Oh boy, I had such a casting for Cheryl, and then I was like, "Cool, oh, Let's start God, with Cheryl." Cool.
3: Who's who's Cheryl?
4: I want Cheryl's Fiona Dourif from uh, from. Oh God damn it! What's the TV show? She's Brad Dourif's daughter, and she's like nuts. Um. Oh no. Can we... <laughs> Cool. We'll just imagine <laughs> no, that she's super no. cool. No, can we can we pause?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'll, okay. no, 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 we, we we keep rolling. I'll jump to Tyler. No, we Tyler. We can't pause. <laughs> who's uh who's Lewis? Lewis?
5: Um I think Lewis should be Lance Reddick.
3: Oh yeah, very yeah. good choice. <laughs> I am also rewatching the wire right now and have played a lot of Destiny. This is this is all all wins for me. <laughs> okay. Um
4: I got it. Uh, If anybody's watched uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, I know of it,
3: but she's in that. Okay, she's in that. Amazing, Um, and nuts and bolts will say he's a a Liv Schreiber type in his like rougher, uh, like saber tooth. Yeah, the saber tooth or via goon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, there's the one. Cool, um, Tyler. Since Old Man Richter isn't in Magical Mind Palace, uh, I'm p- swapping you in for Lewis. You don't need to do all a right. Lance Reddick impression. I was gonna say, just was play him just... straight. Well done, Guardian. That's all. Hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna turn in some bounties to you. Yeah, he's good. You buddies. need to protect the
6: wire. Yeah.
3: Um, fuck, his voice Ooh. is cool. Anyway, okay. Yeah, he's got a so, great voice. Red, you're uh, you're back. Um, sort of walking uh, amongst the thing. Um, Adrian's back in his chair. Um, it's funny the details you forget you'd completely forgotten about that fucking chair until just now and weirdly seeing it makes you realize how much of a home this was for all of you Um, pepe's got the grill going Um, it's like a real rough setup but he's managed to jerry-rig it and what's amazing about pepe is no matter what garbage you're able to scrape together to cook he always turns it into something fantastic and you actually think that that's kind of been one of the selling points for, for you. Capone can offer like the big meals at the restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But um, weirdly, you know that every single person on your crew eats incredibly well. And that's oddly, as you know, a lot of generals will tell you, pretty good way to inspire loyalty. Yep. Um, Lewis, what do you think you're doing uh, on a, just a, a, an average day? We're going to say there's a shipment because um, Ryan was describing the, the the booze that's ready to go average day, um, shipments getting ready to go out. What do you think your routine is?
5: I just want to make sure I've got this written down now since I'm going to be playing Lewis. My main takeaway was that he's the most likely to double cross. But what's his role in the gang again?
3: Um, you're a disgraced financier. Right, um, financier, that's right. The easiest way to think about this in modern terms is if you were like a Wall Street or Bay Street asshole who somehow, somehow got ousted. Like you're basically any of the characters from Billions um if you lived Since in a sewer it's which
5: thirties
3: though, <laughs> pretty close to would
5: it be like he's more of like a prospector of sorts um like because i don't know i don't know if wall street is really a thing.
7: they had they had stocks and bonds and all they that did? kind okay. of stuff yeah okay. particularly yeah.
5: post-war i think um okay i, I was thinking like uh it's, it's too far back but i was thinking like a uh,
7: old-timey west prospector looking for gold
5: no, gosh, there will be blood. Daniel Day-Lewis, like, he's a business person as oh, well. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, I, th- I think it can be in that zone. Like, he was a, a pretty predatory business guy, and that's okay. probably what got him run out. Got it, um, okay. But let's say you were you were kind of more in the... You in showed the up in Boston being like, to, surprise, yeah. I'm the guy who runs things now, and everyone was like... Get out of here. No. <laughs> also, <laughs> admittedly, like, being an incredibly capable, intelligent black man in 1932 Boston... Well, not 1932, probably 1930 Boston. That's a hard fucking sell for Boston particularly. So, yeah. Um,
4: but not yeah. for me.
3: Mm-hmm. No, and also, I mean, admittedly, it, this wasn't a case of, of racial discrimination so much as you yeah. being like an incredibly <laughs> corrupt banker. Right. But yeah.
4: Yeah. didn't
3: help. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay cool. cool. So um, basically, yeah, um, the, you, you've been getting increased pressure lately from from the other gangs. Um, and, uh, but you know, business needs to keep going now, keep in mind that this is also like Lewis as red remembers him. So, mm-hmm. and also you don't have character sheets. So like, don't worry about it being super realistic. I just don't want you to have yeah. to sit out the unconscious sequence. Right. Um, cool. uh, so,
5: so he's, he's going over the, I guess, sort of like a manifesto, mm.
3: um,
5: like a shipping manifesto yep. of, of what's coming in and what's going. Uh, um, and, um, are we going to turn a profit, uh, with this shipment and, and what's our margin? Like that's, that's what
3: he's looking at. Um, Adrian, and... how do you feel about Lewis?
6: I don't like him.
4: Okay.
6: <laughs> he thinks he's smarter than me.
3: That's, that's because unfair. I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so red, um, you, you see an interaction play out that you've seen a hundred times, mm-hmm. um, and um what uh can you roll me I'm gonna get you to roll to see how lucid you're able to remain in this state. Um let's go with a an education roll.
4: Okay. Ooh, that is an extreme success. I rolled a four.
3: Um okay. It's, there wasn't enough swearing, and the food never smelled this good, and the sewer smelled a lot worse. So you're able to keep that, like, no, no, this is bullshit. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, Red, how much do you think you would interact with what you're seeing? Knowing kind of your, because your I mean, this is also different, in theory, from supernatural shit.
4: Uh no, I think she would sit exactly or stand exactly where she is and watch for threats.
3: Okay, cool. So um you're sitting there and um you know Lewis and Adrian are are kind of uh bickering. Uh Pepe's cooking something delicious. Um nuts and bolts is like throwing punches at a at a weird like newspaper punching bag that he and Adrian built together. Um uh Cheryl is looking at something on the underside of her foot and you've learned long ago that it's best not to ask. It's best yeah. to just kind of let that let that ride.
4: Yeah.
3: Um and um you just steadfastly stand staring at all these people. Um and one by one they all slowly stop speaking. Like the the din comes down suddenly the smell disappears from the food that's cooking. Um, And then as one, they all turn and stare at you. And as the entire sort of like area around them begins to melt away into kind of think like um, Upside Down, like Eleven's version of the Upside Down in Stranger Things, where it's just like black water, one light. They're all (laughs) isolated, staring at you. And then suddenly their eyes begin to turn black and to your shock almost begin to get scratched out. Like it's almost like someone's drawing over them. And in the distance you see a blindingly bright white light that begins approaching and getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And <laughs> you think you see it smile. And then you wake up screaming in a hospital room. Adrian, red sits bolt upright. Um, you're still a little concerned she might be a mummy because her face is all wrapped up. And Richter told you that that's what mummies look like, which was really a bad call on his not part. not helpful on my part at all. Wow. Well, but, but I mean, realistically. Yeah. I, think like, I mean, it's true. Like, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Uh, so you're not sure if she's a mummy or if she's, Red or or what's going on? Um, but uh, yeah, she sits up in in huge alarm. Um, red, uh, you're gonna take eight points of damage after being patched up at the hospital. Uh, you took Whew. considerably more, but um, you're you're yep. doing okay. Um, <clears throat> your uh, right arm is in a cast um, and kind of like propped up. Um, otherwise, uh, your legs are okay, um, everything's a little bit numb, um, but you look around and you're incredibly grateful to see that, uh, both Adrian and Richter's eyes look fine. Adrian, she sits up in shock. What do you do?
6: You don't speak Egyptian, Red.
4: And <laughs> if Red were that kind of person, she would have kissed him. Uh, like, <laughs> she's not going to, but just in relief, just in, like, like, like friendship, in a friendship way. Girl-fashioned um,
3: friendship smooch.
4: Hey! There, there are things. Um, uh, it's just thank God. Are you okay? And ah.
6: then
7: Adrian subtly... Puts the knife back in the sheath, <laughs> yeah, 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 ready yeah. to use. <laughs> as a mummy, and he's like, "Yeah, we got your gun after that car. Here you go." And he'll just set both guns on the uh, on the little like tray
5: next to the bed.
4: What? What happened?
5: You drove what happened?
3: a car into a garage door.
4: Yes, I, I know that. What happened in the house?
3: You guys had a great time. Cake was served, and
6: honestly, T.J. It
3: sounds like the man for the job.
6: Uh, we went to a party and had cake, and then we came outside, and you'd crashed a car into the garage. You should not be driving. I don't think anymore.
5: <laughs> Tom, are all my suspicions and concerns completely assuaged after that visit, for whatever reason?
3: Uh, I mean, like you might you might still have suspicions about T.J. Okay. You just really think he's the right man for the job.
5: Okay, yep. okay.
3: Um, you almost get the sense that in a meta perspective, um, whatever occurred to you inside the house likely didn't account for, is he a golem? <laughs>
5: Got it, okay. <laughs>
4: uh,
5: you know. Tallahassee may not be a man, but um, he is <laughs> a man or is a golem for the job. <laughs> the job of being mayor of
6: Hellfort. Yeah, we talked to his wife and she was like, he's good. And there was cake, so I sort of promised to vote for him.
5: Yeah, I've never voted before, but I will vote. I'll have to register. Also, they don't like that they only
6: have one name. Uh, But But looking on the bright side, we could still kill his friends like you wanted.
4: She's just going to kind of look to the both of them and kind of... And then just... She's going to... Pulling back the covers of the bed, and do her best to get up and and get moving.
6: Whoa, I can see your butt. You need to put some (laughs) pants on. You just got that, like, front wrap.
3: Yeah, it's 1930s, so it's, like, made of very terrible paper. Also, it's post-war and the Depression, so, like, you're not the first person to wear this paper gown, nor Mm -hmm. shall you be the last.
4: Oh, okay. Then I don't get up and flash my ass to everybody, but, um...
3: I think you may have already done that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that happened. Also, uh, I will say, you're also under a bunch of sedatives. So I think in your head, it's like, uh, I remember after I got my uh-huh. wisdom teeth out and I came to, I was like convinced I was, I full on David at the dentist It I was like, in my head, I was like, <gasps> I feel great. Honestly, I was really worried about it, but it was fine. Um and my ex was like, no, your mouth was full of blood. And you're like, I will fine." It's <laughs> just like blood was coming down my mouth. And I was just like, "I kissed me. And she's like, no, this is good. Let's get you in the car. Um, so it's that. Like, I think in your head, it's a full-on, like, Batman cape twirl. Like, you stand up and you're ready to go. And instead, it's just, like, an awkward woman in a paper <sighs> gown. There yeah. is also, I think, something to the idea of, like, so much of Red is a carefully constructed like, persona, um, that out of uniform, I think, like, there's something small about you. Like, I think you project so much confidence when you're, like, and I mean, I feel like Red's in good shape because she's a rum runner, and that's kind of how that goes, but it's like when you see, like, someone who wears, like, the big, like, full shoulder pad suit out of it, and you're just like, oh, or um, professional athletes who wear, like, pads, and you see them outside the pads, you're like, oh... Right, you're yeah. a human. You're a human under, like, the outfit. So, um, it's weirdly something neither Richter nor Adrian would notice or care about, because that's not their M.O., but I mm-hmm. think it's something you realize once you get to your feet, which is just like, yeah, the thing's embarrassing, but it's also just like, oh, no, this isn't great. Which, of course, is the moment uh, the doctor breezes into the room, and uh, he says... Uh, Oh, um, Miss Fakington, uh, you're up. Good, good. Um, I'm glad to see that you're, uh, you're, you're feeling, uh, slightly better. Um, I would recommend you, you take some more bed rest.
4: I have to go.
3: Well, okay, we, uh, you know, we are pretty, uh, pretty pressed for, for beds here, um, so strange in such a such a small town how many cases we get coming in here. I mean, there I've seen some weird shit. But uh, anyway, that's fine. That's not your problem. Um, anyway, uh, okay. So uh, if you're checking yourself out, that's fine. Obviously, you have your um, presumably father. And then he, like, looks at Richter. And then he also looks at Adrian. And then he kind of looks back to Richter. Said, and uh- husband. And then he looks to Richter. And he looks back to Adrian. He looks back to Richter.
5: And Richter just feeling just the thrill of a lifetime, being involved in this kind of ruse un- unintentionally, just like before when they've they put on these mm-hmm. false identities to get into places, just a big <laughs> right. smile on his face, being like, yeah, I am Zafaza, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Papa Fakeman, that's the
3: name? I can't, I- uh, So, I'm sorry, so your first name is Fakeman and your last name is Fakington? yeah is this a is this a german thing uh
5: it was it, it was a uh, fake heimer when we came over um mm. when we emigrated but then we changed it
3: well and he goes up and he slaps a hand on your shoulder and he's like well welcome to america yeah, we'll I am never america. discriminate against immigrants ever
5: yeah this is america and i uh am here
3: this yeah and we this is so this is your, your husband then
5: yeah, this is my husband.
3: No, uh, that, that, that's silly, sir. It's nineteen thirty, and I'm very closed-minded. Uh, I mean, this this handsome gentleman, and he just kind of pauses and like looks up and down. Adrian, he's like this very handsome gentleman is is the lady's husband.
6: Yes.
4: And hey, uh, we have to go.
6: No. Yeah, I'm no. married Where... to Grandpa Richard. I don't like people who say people can't marry people.
7: And then I just pick up the two guns and just put them in my
3: pockets. <laughs> And he's like, you know, having my life threatened may have been exactly what I needed to actually (laughs) consider this. It's a real moment for personal growth for both of us. Yep, that's the tale of how Hubert Strangelove came to love himself. In any case, uh, all right, well, very good. Uh, I won't keep you. Uh, Surely your Grandpa Richard is waiting for you. May we all find our Grandpa Richard in our time. Um, all right, uh, well, Miss Fakington, uh, I see no reason to, to hold you here against your will. Um, you're free to go. Please don't operate any motor vehicles, probably ever again, uh, if I'm being completely honest. And, um, yeah, uh, come back in a week, and we'll take the cast off and see how your arm is. Um.
4: Is it broken?
3: It's, uh, it's a fracture, so it's, it's gonna be painful
6: for a bit, but, uh... God damn it. Doctor, do you have any loaner clothes so that
4: she Where doesn't are my have to
6: wear paper?
4: Where are my clothes?
3: Uh, well, ma'am, they were mostly shredded when you flew through a windshield face-first into a wall. I don't know how you managed to find a wall so sturdy that a fully sped-up car could not crash through it, but...
4: I find a way.
3: Apparently. In any case, um, uh, your clothes were, were completely mangled in the, the accident, but the good news is that one of our nurses was kind enough to lend you this, and it's a full on white with red polka dots dress. He's like, see, red, like your name.
4: (laughs) It's great.
3: So here's my next question, Red. Who are you going to rob in this hospital to get a different outfit? (laughs) I
7: was going to say, at that point, I think Adrian just lets the doctor leave and he goes, don't worry, I know what we have to do. Uh, And he just takes his pants off and he's got like big boxers on, but he gives it to Red because they've had to do this before where she can step into the pants and pull them up to like shoulder height and then just belt it in. (laughs) And then she can go out dressed. Yeah, as as the
3: pants go up, um, your voice starts getting more and more like this. Um, (laughs) And your hat gets lower and lower and lower on your face. (laughs) So you're a low low hat, high pants, low talking guy. Um, Okay, so you belt your improvised romper. Um, This is better than a dress? (laughs)
7: You're yes. make sure okay. Got it. Okay. You're
3: alarmed uh, to find something kind of wet in one of the pockets, and you pull out a fistful of cake.
4: Uh, I throw it on the ground.
3: Oh, that was for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, with that, um, <laughs> with a uh, half-pantsless or pantsless Adrian, <laughs> a overly panted red and <laughs> Papa Fakes in Fakington. Um, make their way out (laughs) of the hospital. uh, And their timing is damn good because as they do so, um, a bunch of balloons sweep past uh, past all of you floating up into the sky. uh, And Red, you realize it ain't still today. It's tomorrow. If you want to catch that mayor, mayor hopeful. Got to get to that fair.
2: This episode of the Mythos Mysteries features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at Leplant on Twitter Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter and Keeper Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter This episode was edited by Ryan Leplant, and the Mythos Mysteries show logo was created by Decapitated Marker at Decapitated Marker on Twitter that's M-R-K-R Our theme songs are Dark alleys and sentinel by kai engel and our ads use the tracks no control and chiefs by Jazzar j-a-h-z-z-a-r and all of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org when it comes to dum-dums and dice you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com our twitter and instagram are dumdumdice and on facebook at facebook.com dumdumdice we have merchandise available at redbubble.com people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. All hail the Mythos. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you
0: to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Menicola, Long Long the Half Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Joshua White, Olin Anderson, Sue One, Devin Boyce, George Dolby, One True Artistry, and and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com/slash dice. Thanks. To to them and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
6: This is Yanni and welcome to season two of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle.
2: You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory.
6: Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for
2: information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You
6: need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no good couples are already saying she's dead.
2: The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear.
6: And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf.
4: Word on the street is that of Schultz.
6: Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutant, a lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about St. Clair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself
2: behind the ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn their money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie.
4: In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to
6: get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well.